Welcome to Film Shapes, the podcast. Okay, hello everyone. Uh, This edition of the Film Shapes podcast is a bit different. We're going to talk about the upcoming Revelation Film Festival here in Perth, Western Australia. And we're joined by the festival director, Richard Sawada. Hi, Richard. How are you? Uh, I'm really great, thanks. Um, You know, I'm reasonably fresh out of ISO uh, after coming over from Victoria, so it's actually really, really super good to be in the land of the living, quite literally. (laughs) Great, great. And, of course, Rolly's here. How are you going, Rolly? I was wondering if you were going to forget to mention that. (laughs) Hey, I'm well. Good, good. Um, So, uh, Richard, just to, to kick off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how Revelation came about? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a bit. Of, this is a long story, but I'm going to try and keep it short. I warned so, him about um, this, Richard. <laughs> it's all right. So, my my background is, um, I, I guess, I'm a professional film curator and film programmer. That's that's basically what I do. Uh, I worked for the Australian Centre for the Moving Image for nine years as the head of film programs there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started the Revelation Film Festival 23 years ago. I also program the Melbourne Design Week Film Festival. Uh, I directed the Brisbane Film Festival a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm doing a PhD in film distribution and exhibition, which right at the moment is incredibly interesting like who knows what's going to happen and who knows who is going to live and who knows who is going to die yeah. uh in, in the sector it's it's incredible yeah. Yeah. uh and cha- changing on a weekly basis so i i kind of do that kind of academic research uh and um uh, also do a bit of lecturing and talking to film students and, and that sort of thing about you know cultural events and event management and uh and that that kind of thing. So that's that's kind of my history. Um, there's a lot of things that's happened over the last 23 years in in my career in working in the screen industry. It's incredibly exciting, and you never know what's going to happen next. And that's uh, really probably one of the the great things about working in the industry is that you live by your wits. You know, mm. it's um, it's a a week to week. Um, existence in many ways, which can be incredibly frustrating, but also enormously um, exhilarating and quite triumphant, you know, when you uh, have to live by the quality of your ideas. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I do. Was, did I, was someone about to inter- interject? I, I was. I, I, we've known each, other, known each other a long time, Richard, but I've always had a picture in in my head of, of you as a little bit of a, a rebel or an outsider in the industry. And I'm wondering if that's just my imagination or if that actually does kind of uh, inform some of your feelings about your own place in the industry and how you've kind of uh, managed to do Because you, what you do is quite different, isn't it, compared to uh, other people in the industry? Am I allowed to, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the answer is fuck yeah. Um, I... Um, from the very beginning uh, of doing the film festival, which started uh, in a bar, uh, the Greenwich Bar under His Majesty's Theatre, mm. in the back room there, um, that it was. I, I started it there. Uh, well, I, you know, that's that's kind of where I started. But I was doing things before then, film things before then. But um, that's where the festival really 
had that's where it got its identity and form. Uh, and I I started doing it there because there was jack shit happening in Perth mm. in the film environment, mm. uh, and it was what was happening was really closed and narrow. And I also felt that the not just the cultural life. But just the the social and political life of this town, I, I come come from Sydney. Was there was it was wrong, uh, and I felt that it was really really important to show a different kind of thinking, a different way of approaching social justice. Even back then, the environment, uh, politics, community, everything, uh, and the the event really was born out and still in most part a personal political viewpoint and social viewpoint. So there was a real, lot of editorial, personal editorial in the event. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that, in in my view, makes it so strong and so good and a survivor is that it's, it's about, it has an authenticity, you know, it has a, a voice, this is what I think. Uh, and it has an authenticity of standing behind those views and that, that those approaches, even despite um, the, the the accepted way of doing things. Let's say, for instance, uh, with ethical sponsorships, we have never taken mining money. We have never taken money from fossil fuels. Uh, and uh, we uh, look at whoever approaches us or we approach uh, for fund funding to be as ethical as as they can possibly be. Now, in this day and age, right now, even in this in WA, that 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 doesn't exist. Yeah. In fact, we had a fight, not a fight, but we had a. Um, I, I did an interview uh, recently about that, and I was getting phone calls from the government <laughs> saying, "Do you, do you realise who? Do you realise where your money comes from?" Uh, and literally saying that, yep. uh, and uh, they said, do, "Do you know that m- most of the arts organisations in WA really are not liking what you're saying?" <laughs> uh, and you know, this is the this is the kind of thing, uh, and this is just being this is just doing an honest thing. This is behaving in an honest, ethical way, and the pressure is put on uh, by uh, other arts organisations who are embedded whose financial um, futures are embedded in unethical funding, for want of a better word, yep. uh, and um, and government as well. So it's like, you know what, fuck you. Mm. Uh, and uh, so you, you guys can do your own thing. I'm doing my thing. Uh, so that's – so the answer to your question, Riley, is yes, we are, we are on the outside. But I don't mind that. Because that gives us the total latitude to do whatever we want the way we want it to to do it. So we're not bound by any um, usual way of doing things. We, we've built the event from zero to what it is now, from nothing um, to what it is now. Um, you know, I remember in the early days of the event, uh, and when I say the early days of the event, it's like into the 10th year, um, I... I personally, was going around with my kids in a pram, sticking up posters at Mills Records down in Fremantle, doing a whole run all across town with posters, distributing the, the, the programs and the, the flyers and everything. Uh, and simply because, um, you know, it's, the, it's, a gra- it's from the grassroots up event. 
I um, guess and, I, I think you feel very comfortable in, in that space as well, right? But I think the interesting thing is that a lot of people that decide to take that route in their their career end up doing it on their own. But you've, you've managed to also get um, a lot of support from like-minded people as well and sort of build this team together. And, um, yeah, I guess mm. Shady will probably have some more questions about about the team and things and how that that process works with you but i think that's one of the, one of the great things of what what you've been able to do is to to make it make it be bigger than just you uh you with your ideas you know um it's it's something well, that, that thanks, has more legs than that mm. yeah thanks thanks for saying so um but that that again comes down to um i think an authentic voice like authenticity and look you know I, i'm not against the government they give me money uh, and, and so it's kind of cool. Uh, and I'm not against mining either. I'm against think I, I, I'm, you know, if the process in those things is not right, then then I'll, I'll stand up and say something. But it's it's about process, not not the not the actual act um, mm. itself, or not the, the actual business. But um, yeah, look, it ha it has built. It's taken a long time to build, but. And you know what? So much of the industry is about the last person left standing, uh, and you've got to have you got to have the nerve, yeah. and you've got to stare into the headlights and, and stand there. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people drop away. A lot of people don't have the nerve. A lot of people take the very easy, not easy road, because it's not easy in the arts, whatever you do, but take take a different kind of a road of least least resistance. But I, I like the challenge. I like the fight. I like to fight. Uh, and I like to, uh, you know, I like to confront things that are not right mm. or things that can be done differently. Uh, and I really like, look, the event in, in terms of its program is really about signature works and individual approaches to the industry. And I look at what we do with the festival. It has to mirror that spirit. It has to be what the films are. Uh, and so it's, a, it's an integrated concept. It's not a point of exhibition where I go, I like that film, I like that film, I like that film. Mm -hmm. Any person can do that in the international marketplace and just put them on. It's what do they mean and how do they mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and for them to mean something, um, the, the frame that I put around them has to be as meaningful as the picture. So that's, that's how I approach it. Um, it's no point just being a, a point of exhibition. You have to, you have to, you know, um, you have to have a, a feeling behind it. Because that, in today's world, is what is connecting with with audiences, not celebrity, not champagne and caviar. Although champagne and caviar is we pretty like nice, that. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, something it's something else. So, Richard, do you think it's it's easier to organise these days, or do you think it it was it was easier when it was a bit smaller back in the late nineties? What what do you what would you say? <laughs> um, look. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's probably it's it's probably not it's probably not any easier right. in ter in terms of the in terms of the shoulder that you've got to put behind it. Mm. Like you know, I'm I'm still there, sweating, bumping out and bumping in, carrying mm. shit around, right. carrying projectors around. You know, getting films. I'm not the only one doing it, of course, because we do have a really good team. <laughs> mm. uh, but you know, it's still you're still on the grindstone. Um, but um, I think over the period of time, uh, I think, to answer your question, 
I, I don't know if I can. It's, it hasn't got easier. It hasn't got easier, um, but it's got more. And I really love the challenge. It's got more challenging, mm. which is a, a really, really good thing. Uh, and it's got, because of the reputation uh, nationally and internationally, it's, uh, uh, it, it accesses a different kind of film and it accesses a different kind of guest. Mm, okay. um, and it accesses a different, it just opens doors that were not open before, which are really good. To be able to talk to like really high level people like Jim Jamoosh, um, uh, Steve Buscemi, mm. um, you know, a whole bunch of people who might not actually appear at the event or participate in the event, but I can actually talk to them mm. uh, and talk to their PAs. And that, that is, that, that's something that's got better over time. This is going to sound like a very basic question, but I'm fascinated by how you guys choose the films to show. How do you do that? I know it's not a basic basic question at all. Um, it's a very it's a very hard thing. Like we get um, about five hundred films sent to us through a call for entries. Um, generally, the in, in in and any film festival will say exactly the same thing. One in ten of those films is is of a quality that you're able to show. Okay. Uh, so I, I say to filmmakers, look, you're not competing with, you know, 10,000 filmmakers. You're competing with 10% of that 10,000. <laughs> so the dream pool is not that big. So the competition is actually not as, as big as you think. All you need to do is make a really fucking good movie mm. and you're in with a pretty good shot. Um, so... Uh, so I watch all those movies, all those 500. I don't necessarily watch them all, all the way through mm. um, because you, you know pretty well very early in a, in a, uh, a movie where, whether it's going to be of the standard or not. So, And then we uh, do uh, uh, Jack Sargent, who is the program director, and myself, we do a lot of reading uh, online about what's happening with certain films and who's making what, and uh, we look at what other film festivals are doing, although... We're quite independent of that. Probably mm-hmm. usually we look at what other film festivals are doing. When we come across a film, it's like, okay, where is this screened uh. before? Um, so, uh, so we look at that, and then, uh, and and then when we've got a few of the fundamental building blocks in place, that starts to that starts to dictate the tone of the festival and the tone. You get it start to get a picture of what artists internationally are trying to say um, and what what the general thematics of the cultural environment internationally are. Because like, I don't know, uh, like many other environments, there, there is a discernible theme that emerges every year that just does out of the politics and economics and mm. social justice and the whole thing. So there's sometimes it's gender, sometimes it's architecture, uh, sometimes it's the environment, sometimes it's music. So all these things, you know, they, they start to emerge. And then when you've got a few building blocks in place, um, there, there are certain things that, that, you, that you go actively out to look for, like music films, mm-hmm. uh, uh, environmental films, First Nations films, those kind of things. So you actively seek them. Uh, and then the other things, they just kind of, they just kind of develop and then, you look at what, when you're looking at the, the films, you, you look at what films start talking to each other and start making sense like a jigsaw puzzle mm. and that you can piece together 
to form an overall picture uh, of which eventually is is the event. Um, So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how it happens. Yeah, no, I think you kind of answered my next question in there. I was wondering if you set out with a theme for each for each festival or you, it kind of grows itself is that how how you look at it yeah yeah it grow, it grows itself it mm. grows itself uh, and many filmmakers particularly in the call for entries they get quite angry with us sometimes because that film uh might have been accepted into 50 film festivals and and we don't accept it right and there are many there are many good films yeah bastards <laughs> there are, there are many good films that we see that are totally programmable but does it fit? It's like making a movie. Does it? Does that film have a, a meaning? Or let's say, let's say you're making a movie. Does that shot, which is the film, have a meaning in the film that you're making? Yeah. It might be the most amazing thing that you will ever shoot in your life. But what is the relationship to the story? And if it has no relationship, you cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that unfortunately happens with with. Uh, quite a good amount of films that, I mean, they're good mm. and they're totally screenable uh, with great credentials. But ultimately, as the as the pieces of my film come together, which is the film festival, mm. if that film doesn't uh, work in the flow, it's out. Mm. Uh, and uh, when I explain that to filmmakers, they get it. And uh, and it's a, it's a kind of a science of festival programming, which I don't know if many film festivals actually work in that kind of a way. Uh, but when I explain that, it's like they go, right, I get it. Mm-hmm. I actually get that. Um, and so, but that that elevates the the, pro, the whole program to a much higher intellectual concept. Yeah. Uh, but still yet it's understandable from audiences. And as a result, an audience member may see one film and they'll see a pretty good one, or they may see all the films. And if they see all the films, they will most definitely see the thread and the, mm. the, the relationship of each film to each other. And so that's what we try and do. Can you tell us what the, the what sort of theme developed uh, in this year's festival then for listeners that might Look, there's, very, there's not an enormous amount of comedy, um, which is unsurprising. <laughs> <laughs> but what I've, what I've seen emerging, because we're doing two components, we're doing a physical version and an online version at the same time, mm. Uh, and there is most definitely a uh, complete and utter fascination with technology uh, and the ethics of technology. Uh, and that's seen across, like we've got a couple of films looking at artificial intelligence and um, surveillance um, through, you know, facial recognition and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, a, a couple of films that are looking at... Um, uh, you know, um, corporate um, uh, influence in, in our lives, which is largely technology-based. Um, we've got uh, a, a film called I Human, which again is about artificial intelligence and the, the politics around that and the use of that in in the military and a whole range of other things. Um, so most definitely uh, technology uh, is a major feature of what is going on in art and culture right at the moment. I'm just scrolling through the program right now, and there there is a lot of it. I love it. It's such a fascinating um, story. 
Uh, and, you know, films like um, The Trouble With Being Born, which was the film that the Melbourne Film Festival yes. pulled uh -huh. because I of... Think, <coughs> I think that's on our list of, of things to ask you about. What's that? That's on our list of things to ask you about, yeah. actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the controversy we can, around we can that get film. to that. But, but that... You know, but that's 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 a non-fiction film that are dealing with these issues. That's dealing with these issues. It's dealing with a lot more issues actually than that. But um, that's you know that it, that's fully embedded in in those kind of works. So it's really that that is the the, the main thing. And ultimately, not about they're not about artificial intelligence or technology. They're about control mm. uh, and that uh, and authority. And so that is the higher level thematic and the lower level is the is exploring that through exploring technology itself. But it's really about authority and control. So what makes that a film that uh, someone would ban? Um, well, look, uh, I, can, I, can, I can actually see the argument as to, to why it would be a controversial film because it, it is... You know, it's it's beautifully told. It's very poetic, mm. but it, it's it's not about what people think it is. It's it's actually about, in my view, about loneliness. Uh, it, it's about it's not about the um, the, the android uh, and the sexuality surrounding the android. So the android is, is kind of a childlike and uh, yeah, a, of child. age. It's yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. It's like about it's the android is like a ten years old or whatever. Yeah, eight, okay, about ten. Years. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are there are most definitely um, uh, uh, there is most definitely a, a gaze in in the film, mm. uh, and uh, the, the the you you can um, interpret sexual overtones in it. Mm. But then in doing that, you but there is no sex in it, uh, and there's no real suggestion of sex in it either, uh, and. So when you look at the film like that, you have to question what it what it makes you do. What it makes you do is question your own gaze. Mm -hmm. Why are you asking that question? You know why 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 does yeah. this film feel feel that there's why do I feel there's some sexuality in this film when there is none? Um, so you mm -hmm. kind of question your 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 own gaze because the film doesn't say that there is any sex. It doesn't really suggest that there's any sex. It's your. It's what you put onto it, that that is, is sexual. Yeah. So sexualized. So it does seem quite an extreme uh, step to take to to ban the film, given that, and that you know, there's, given technology and our use of virtual environments and things like that, these are type of issues are probably, you know, well worth well worth discussing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I agree. And especially they got scared. Yeah. Um, uh, artificial intelligence um, and all the rest of it. You know. You you. You know, how is it ethical to to have someone create a, a, a childlike artificial intelligence and and, get, and engage with them them on certain certain levels and maybe not others? But you know, that's an important conversation to have. Mm. Why would it be? A, yeah, something. So we're, anyway, yeah. we're looking forward to seeing. Yeah, that. we're both going to check it out at different times, aren't we? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I'll, I'll just add on to that, and I'll say I I, I completely agree with you, and I, I like and know the people at the Melbourne Film Festival very well. Uh, and um, have worked with them on numerous occasions, and they they just got scared. But I don't think mm. it was the it was the programmers. I would say that was probably a board decision. Mm. Uh, they didn't want to be tainted with any kind of um, anything like this, and they just got scared. And in all honesty, 
God bless the Melbourne Film Festival, I, th I think that that, that lack of um, backbone, for mm. want of a better phrase, uh, uh, says volumes about the state of film, about the, the state and purpose of film festivals um, and cultural events to lose your nerve mm. right at the very time when nerve is exactly what we need. And that gets back to what I was saying before about authenticity. That's not an authentic voice. That's, that's mm. you're, you're, you're a chicken. Yeah. Uh, and you've, you've lost your nerve. Yeah. And God, God bless them. Like, I really do like them. Uh, and the Melbourne Film Festival is a really great event. But that speaks volumes about what, what, what your place in the industry is. Yeah. I don't think the uh, film itself will do too badly out of that, though, will it? it you know, to, to have a film that's banned somewhere must be kind of a, kind of a badge of honour or it's certainly going to lead more people to want to see it as well yeah. at some hey. level. I had in uh, 2000, in 1999, I had a film banned by the local classification office. WA has their own classification office. I don't know if they still do or not, actually. Mm. But they had their own classification office that could override the Commonwealth really? classification office. Yeah. Uh, and so I had a film uh, uh, called Sick, The Life and Death of Bob Flanagan's Supermasochist, and it was a documentary about the world's oldest surviving survivor of cystic fibrosis and the way he got through um his his pain was through sadomasochism and he turned it into a, an art form in new york uh in the states uh and so he was doing all kinds of things anyway the government took umbrage at this the class the 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 local i can't remember who it was at the time one of the liberal politicians <laughs> took umbrage at this and decided to ban the film without seeing it uh and um it it, it was it was a very popular film internationally uh, and uh, very highly regarded. Anyway, they banned wow. it uh, and played all these ridiculous games. Uh, I forced them to look at the movie um, to say, you can't ban it without looking at the movie, and the media were all over it. You know, it was, fun. It was actually front-page news. It was all over the TV and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, so I arranged, them, I arranged a screening for it at Luna, <laughs> uh, and um, they, they sent that classification body in, you know, the people, you know, on the committee, and in walked... A nun, a priest, <laughs> and a guy from the army in his full army uniform. Wow. Uh, and uh, uh, the TV, the TV cameras were there, and everything it was so funny. I don't know how who tipped them off actually, but the TV cameras were there, and I thought they walked in, and I thought, oh man, this That's... this baby just ain't gonna fly. <laughs> uh, and um, so, uh, um, in they went to watch the movie, and at the end of the movie, the nun came out in tears. Uh, and uh, she said, oh, that's the best documentary I've ever seen. Uh, and uh, wow. they all unanimously voted to unban it. Oh, great. Uh, so, that was, um, so that was that experience. And then the very next year they banned another film. Uh, and after that I just thought, Fuck it, I'm not going to go through this process again, yeah. process again. I just showed it. Uh, and, uh, oh. But, you know, uh, that's, that, that was my experience with the classification and, and banning of films. So I, I can tell you what, after that, I'm not afraid of that process. So, so sorry, your advice is if someone bans the film, just show it anyway? <laughs> is, that, yes. is that what I'm getting? Okay, okay, I just want to make sure. Wrap yeah, <laughs> it up. To, to, to anyone just, going back to the film was, just going back to the film that was banned, uh, until the point that I, I'd shown that film three weeks earlier in Adelaide and I had 30 people come. 
I, after it was banned and unbanned in WA, I had 300 people. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. There it that's is. Nice. Uh, good. Uh, now, Richard, I know this must be a little bit of a difficult um, task for you, but do you think you could pick your top five at this year's festival? Is that possible? Your top five recommended films? You want me to kill my babies. That's what you want me to do. <laughs> the other ones, yes. Everything um, except five. Yeah. Hey, here we go. Here, here's my top five. Uh, I, I think uh, the local horror film, An Ideal Host, I think that's just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so well made on no money. It is so funny and really, and, and you know, the, the special effects are awesome and the way that they did them. Uh, uh, equally awesome. So I, I totally take my hat off to that team, and I say an ideal host is uh, is, is one of my favourites. Do you know offhand um, who who one of my, made that film? Uh, Robert Woods. Robert okay. Woods. And so, is it a full length uh, a feature? Yeah, or... feature. these are all features. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll just yep. I'll, I'll give, give you features. Um, the other one of my favourites is a documentary called You Know Me, which is a documentary about showgirls. The movie. Mm-hmm. Showgirls, um, which is meant to be one of the worst movies ever made, uh, and but this documentary uh, goes out to explain that it's probably the most one of the most misunderstood movies ever made. Um, it's it was made by Paul Verhoeven, who directed uh, RoboCop and um, Starship Troopers and all that sort of thing. All right, um, but the documentary is so great; it is so funny uh, and so honest and really really cool. Uh, and we've got it as a, on a double bill with Showgirls, mm-hmm. um, so uh, so that's an that's an awesome movie. I really like that movie. Um, I also like um, there there is. Uh, let me, I'm, I'm just scrolling through the program now. I, I really really like a, a science fiction film called Archive. Oh, yeah. um, it's really well put together. Mm. It's a big big screen movie. Um, it's a, a a fantastic film. A, a guy whose wife dies, it's set in the future. Uh, he's in charge of like this uh, kind of enviro lab in the middle of the uh, mountains in Japan, very isolated and that sort of thing. And his wife is kind of kept alive for a certain amount of period, her memory in, in, in a thing called the archive. So he can talk to her, but it's only for a limited period. Uh, it's a really, really well-made movie. Uh, and again, explores loneliness and, and isolation and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I, I also like uh, a lot the trouble with being born, the film that we were talking about. I mean, that's a that's a true proper art movie, an art house movie. You don't see those kind of things very often anymore. Uh, and it's like, you know, that's that's a proper movie that one. Um, so what, what's that? Is that I think three or four? That's four. four. That's four. Okay, I'm down to the I'm down to the tough, <laughs> the tough ones now. Um, look, I would also have to say, um, look, yeah, I'm go- I also have to say one of my favourite films is a film called Atlantis, uh, and that's that's also set in the future, but not in the it's set in the n- near future, and it's set in a Ukraine that has driven out the Russians and, and won the war against the Russians. And it's like a devastated country rebuilding itself. And it's kind of this really fantastic, I wouldn't say romance, but it's a relationship drama set in this post-war world. And it's made by the guy, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Tribe, which we showed a few years ago. Oh, I've heard a of Ukrainian it. director. Yeah, and The Tribe, it, the tribe is also a, a, a 
fairly bleak film, but the whole film is told in sign language. There's mm-hmm. no actual dialogue, oh. uh, and it's it's you know it's uh, you know the whole cast and everyone is deaf, and it centers around a, a deaf school and deaf people, and so it's quite a violent movie and very bleak, and there's there's a lot of arguments and a lot of fighting in it, but the loudest it gets is people's hands clicking together doing the sign language despite these incredibly nice. intense scenes. It's an amazing movie, like really amazing. So if anyone gets the opportunity to see The Tribe, they have to. And, and this is made by the same guy uh, and it has s- such a beautiful, bleak poetry to it, which I think is just amazing. It's a really, really strong movie. Mm. Uh, and so they would probably be my five and they're, they're all really accessible um, but challenging. You know, they explore screen history. They explore filmmaking uh, and, um, you know, and they're big screen. They're for the big screen. They're not, uh, you know, Netflix or a computer. Like, they're properly big screen movies. So, yeah, that would be my five. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I think I've got about three or four of those lined up for the festival, actually. So that's good. Oh, you're in for a treat. Nice, thanks. Rolly. Oh, oh, oh. Is it, is it that time? <laughs> I, look, I, I, th- I think we've pretty much covered every, everything. I guess uh, the, the last uh, thing I wanted, wanted to ask, not that it's an afterthought at all, but just what's going on with uh, XRWA and maybe just the reasoning behind uh, creating this other kind of sub-festival within a festival and, mm. um, and the plans for that and where, you're, um, where it goes next, Richard? Yeah, well, look, XRWA, uh, XR stands for Extended Reality, which is, um, you know, immersive technology across the board, augmented reality, uh, and machine learning, uh, VR, uh, and we also include games and such in, in that as well. So uh, a couple of years ago we were looking at embracing games in a much more active way and virtual reality, of course, uh, and examining the convergence of these forms. Mm. And then, lo and behold, the, the government, um, before it was the government, announced that they wanted to do fund a virtual reality um, event, you know, film a virtual reality festival of sorts, and they didn't know exactly what. So they put it out to an EOI. We bid to get the event, uh, and we did, uh, which we were very fortunate to, to get. So we started to build... a. It's not a separate component, but it is another part of of the Revelation event and very timely because of the convergence of everything, of technology and screen-based platforms, the Mm. changing aesthetics of uh, film into computer games, the incredible LED technology in producing things like The Mandalorian and, you know, know, amazing visual effects and that sort of thing, The, the use of game engines in not just building games but in cinema, you know, those live visual effects are built out of um, uh, the Unreal Engine, which is a game engine, you know, that's that's live visual effects that are happening as the film is being made. It's just phenomenal. Mm. So these kind of things, they're right in our zone now. They're right in the traditional sector now. I wish the traditional sector, certainly in WA, were a little bit more aware of the way that this convergence is happening because they're not. Mm. Um, yep. so, uh, so part of what we're doing is exactly that, is to bring the traditional screen sector here in WA 
not not to bring them with us or to bring, but but to provide the opportunity for them to explore this stuff before it gets away from them because once you it's moving so fast if you don't understand it you're finished uh, or your, your your future is severely limited are there um, other film so, festivals you know of that are embracing this type of programming in terms of not to the extent that we are probably the the only one that I know of that is as active as we are and unfortunately they were completely destroyed by covid is south by southwest mm, so right. they they're probably the the only one that's embracing this in such an active way. And when I say an active way, we actually made, we, the Revelation Film Festival, actually made four VR films this year, um, which are going online probably tomorrow, which um, we we employed like maybe 50 composers, dancers, uh, musicians, uh, filmmakers, sound engineers. It was, it was a COVID relief package specifically for the arts mm. uh, that we received funding for from Lottery West. So um, so we, we actually produced uh, a number of works, which are really great um, by anyone's standards. So in working in that way, I don't think any film festival is exhibiting, uh, talking about them and producing them like like what we in the way that we are, I think we're really right at the front, and it's so, so important for us because, if, like I said earlier, the screen, the film industry is collapsing in front of our very eyes, uh, and for us as a cultural event, to be actually producing work, not just exhibiting work, but producing it, you know, that is where that is that that is going to help. That is going to we're going to survive. Mm. Uh, and other people aren't because other other people, you know, all due respect to them, other events are one thing. That's what they are. They're mm. just one thing. Uh, and they have been the same for a very long time. And we change every year yeah, and right. do different things every year. And, and because of that, we're alive. Mm-hmm. Cool. So good. You'll be standing atop the rubble <laughs> next, next year. And everything exactly else right. will be gone. Some kind, of, some kind of flag flapping like Iwo Jima <laughs> yeah. in the wind. Yeah. Uh, now, Richard, just finally, where, where and when um, can people see the, the films for the Rev Festival? Uh, look, uh, they'll be at Luna, the Windsor and Essex mm-hmm. um, from the 9th to the 13th okay. of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also we have about 20 films that are online um, so uh, for rent. Uh, from the 9th to the 20th of December. So they can just head to the website, revelationfilmfest.org, and um, take a look at them there. Brilliant. That's great because Uh, the the films are awesome. Sorry. Sorry, the cinemas are still a bit limited in terms of the numbers you can have in uh, post-COVID? Yeah, yeah, we're very fortunate here in Perth, obviously, because of Mm. Luna, the cinema is so big. So that that Mm. capacity generally is 450 and we're allowed 300. Mm, okay. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty screen good. one, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, not, not quite. We're, actually, it's a little bit less. We're, we're allowed, I think, 280, something like okay. that, 290. Great. Okay. okay, so definitely those online films can also be be mm. downloaded at the website starting oh, yeah, from yeah, the yeah, night. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple online which are in the, in the live event as well. Great. Excellent. Well, great. Richard, thanks very much for joining us tonight. It was great. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Richard. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Добре, друже, давай. Все, щасливо. Березненько. На війну йшов, думав, хоч що зміниться, блядь. А хер, блядь, в них все рівно.